Blog Talk Radio. I always wanted to write a book, uh, 
I tried a few times over the years um, when I was working full-time, but having a pretty high-pressure job um, or series of jobs most of my life uh, and uh, a husband, a child, uh, life got in the way. So uh, all the uh, efforts that I made into, you know, writing a novel would only go so far, and then they'd just sort of uh, fall apart. Uh, A few years back, I uh, became semi-retired. I no longer worked full-time, but I did part-time consulting uh, in the healthcare um, and insurance field. And at that point, I said, hey, Sherry, if you're going to write this novel that you've been talking about for years, it's really now or never. So I I took a shot at it. Um, and, I, you know, I wrote Dead of Autumn. That's, that's the end result. But I guess I'd say that even though uh, my foray into suspense writing is fairly recently, I really have written all my life, and and I think that's a story that I hear from other authors as well um, as I talk to them. Um, Most of them just love the written word, and and that's the same with me. Um, I, I really love the written word, and that started as a child. Um, when my parents read to me when I was a little kid. And then um, as I got slightly older, um, I started to read uh, a lot on my own and really have never stopped. But on the writing side, um, I also started uh, writing and enjoying writing very early in life. Uh, I remember... uh, Back in the day, and I'm dating myself here, um, in elementary school, um, I organized a couple of friends to produce the first uh, Portico school newsletter, um, and we published it once a month on a mimeograph machine. That's the dating part. Um, When I was in uh, high school, uh, I was uh, part of the newspaper uh, all the years that I I was um, available or able to to be on the um, newspaper, and I was like the an editor, the editor at the end. Um, I was also a co-editor of the high school yearbook uh, when I went on to college um, at Dickinson College in uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania, where I live today. Uh, that area is where I live. Um, I also. Uh, was on the newspaper um, and spent much of my college life writing writing stories. Um, even when I uh, left college, um, I didn't work immediately as a journalist um, or even ever as a real journalist. Um, I, I had applied for jobs. At one point, I thought that's what I was going to be. Um, I wanted to work for Time magazine. But life got in the way once again, Um, and instead I went to work for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But on the side, um, I also 
uh, volunteered for the Sierra Club, uh, the Pennsylvania chapter, and um, put out a newsletter for them. For years and years, I did that. So, you know, that was another way um, I got involved in writing. But my jobs at the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania uh, in the Department of Public Welfare, which is in Pennsylvania, is the department that um, does most of the social services as well as Medicaid and um, other programs. It's a really big department, at least it was at the time. Um, I got to hone my writing skills in a more technical way. Um, over the course of my early career uh, at the state of uh, Pennsylvania, uh, I wrote all sorts of things. I wrote regulations. Um, I wrote uh, bills, you know, draft bills, uh, that some of which became laws. Um, I worked on a big uh, social services plan that had to go to the uh, to the federal government. Um, every year. I did that for a while. I wrote speeches um, and much, much more. Uh, so I got to really write a lot. And for a couple of years, my job was really almost nothing but writing. Um, you know, I graduated more into executive positions later, but um, still, uh, even with those, there was either a lot of writing involved or a lot of editing uh, of work for people who worked with me. At, there was a point in my Commonwealth career uh, where I uh, was in a, what's called a political position, which you serve at the pleasure of the governor. And when political parties changed, um, I was bounced out um, because the, the new governor was a, a, of a different party. And so then I worked, went to work uh, in the field of Medicaid. Um, at the time I left the, the department, um, I was actually in charge of the state of Pennsylvania's Medicaid program. So I transitioned into uh, Medicaid from the other side, from uh, insurance, the insurance perspective, the, the people who provided uh, Medicaid services in Pennsylvania and other places under contract to states. Um, and in those jobs, I also learned to do uh, a lot of writing. Um, I wrote responses to state proposals for a long time. And some of those could be huge, huge um, documents. Um, I remember one that we did for the state of Texas, which was nine uh, three-inch binders. So not I didn't write every word, thank goodness, but it it seriously was a big big document. Um so that I think what I'm trying to say is though I was not a suspense writer, um and I did write a few essays and some poetry and some things like that during all those years. But I really, one of the things that I was doing was writing almost every day. Um, and although there's many different types of writing, just using those skills, I think, helps hone them. So 
I guess when I retired, uh, you know, you think, okay, so she can write big binders full of stuff for different states. No big deal to to pick up a pen and write a suspense novel. Well, yes and no. Um, as I said, honing all those writing skills was a good thing. Uh, but writing bureaucratic technical documents are uh, a whole different uh, sort of ball of wax than writing a novel, as I learned as I you know, sat down with that pen and, and started to, to put it together. You know, in uh, a law or a regulation, um, I think sometimes when you read it, it seems like it takes ten words to say what can be said in three. Um, so, you know, wordiness, um, which has a, a, an actual purpose uh, for clarity, sometimes it's hard to think that more words make things clearer, but often in laws that affect millions of people, um, you know, you want, you need as many words to be clear as possible. But in writing suspense, um, you want it to be crisp. You want it to be very clear in a different way, to move the plot along. Uh, the introduction of dialogue uh, was a whole new thing um, as I started to write. Uh, and then, of course, you have to think about the plot, the characters. Um, you need to uh, think about what themes you want to have in your book. Um, when you're talking about mysteries and suspense, you want to have a few red herrings. You know, you want to make sure that the reader is misdirected to think it's some other person who's really the bad guy. So at the end, you can be surprised. Um, you need to make sure that if you uh, bring up something early in the book, that you close out that uh, little sub-story or sub a piece of the book um, so that you don't leave loose ends hanging, um, and much, much more. But anyway, um, I, I still haven't mastered that. I I've consider myself a journeyman at this point, but I'm getting better at it. Um, part of it is, I think, that I did write for newspapers all those years. I had a high school uh, teacher, Walter Oliver, who is no longer with us, but he was a really great mentor um, to me in those uh, high school days of writing. I had a lot of great professors at Dickinson, too numerous to, to mention. And since then, um, when I decided I was going to write this book, I also took courses. Um, I took some courses from Penn Writers, which is a great organization. I went to conferences from international thriller writers. Uh, and all that exposure to um, ways to improve my writing and to be more focused on writing suspense were things that helped me. So let's go back to Dead of Autumn, the, this first book. After all of these courses and all of this adjustment to writing style, um, I had a manuscript completed, which I wrote, and then I rewrote, and then I rewrote another time. 
one of the things I've learned since is that there is a diminishing return on rewrites. You you want it to be good, um, but you can spend, at least I believe, you can spend too much time on a manuscript. Um, but on Dead of Autumn, I really wanted it to be perfect before I tried to convince somebody to publish it. So when I just decided that it was ready. Um, I looked into publishing uh, and, you know, had done a lot of research about how to get a book published and found out, hey, it's pretty complicated. Uh, there are probably three um, big options uh, that as what I would uh, call it. There's probably many more sub-options. But, you know, self-publishing is very big these days. Um, it's probably easier to get a book self-published now than it has ever been uh, in history, probably, with Amazon and all sorts of tools out there. Um, and I had um, a friend who's a self-published author, and she's very, very successful in the suspense field. She really was advocating that I go the self-publishing route. But to me, that was too much um, too much responsibility uh, in terms of having to learn new things. You know, you need a cover. You need to make sure that it's edited. You need to make sure that it's formatted. Uh, you need to, to worry about how it's going to get sold other than online and many other things. So I said, no, I'd rather go uh, with a publisher um, or at least try to get a publisher to, to publish the book. So uh, the third, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the second route of publishing um, in a minute, but the third route of publishing is to go the, the big New York City-type publisher route, um, and, and that's the one that I think is usually called traditionally published uh, and that uh, many people um, see portrayed in movies and so forth. But, you know, you have to get an agent, a personal agent, who will represent you, and then that agent um, basically pitches and markets your mac manuscript to big publishing houses who then um, either agree or disagree to publish it. And um, this, this can take, I suppose it can take a short period of time if all the stars align, um, or it can take um, much longer. Uh, but that's the route that I was planning on going, partly because I didn't know that much about Route 2, which is um, smaller independent publishing. And, you know, these aren't hard and fast lines. Some people who are um, published by independent presses, uh, such as Sunbury Press, uh, so you'll see now what, the, what option I took, but um, some of them do have agents. Um, but it's not as necessarily necessary to have an agent if you go with the smaller independent press route. Um, and a smaller independent press uh, such as Sunbury offers most of the um, services that the, the big publishers uh, offer. Um, they may not have as many relationships with, with bookstores for placement and um, some things like that, but, you know, I have an excellent editor, 
wonderful covers have been designed by Sunbury Press. Um, and, uh, you know, they do the formatting, they do the publishing, they do the arrangements with bookstores and Amazon and everybody else. And the way that I um, got to Sunbury Press um, was sort of like kismet, I guess. Um, just as I was working on these query letters, which is the first step to get an agent, you send out query uh, letters to tons of potential agents and um, hope that they will be interested in your book. Um, I went to a conference where the publisher of Sunbury Press was um, speaking and um, approached him. Um, I had a synopsis of my book uh, along and, uh, you know, gave it to him, sort of told him a little bit about it. And a couple weeks later, he reached out and asked me to send um, more chapters. Um, I think it was maybe 50 pages of the book. Uh, and not long after that, he said, hey, we'll publish you. So I said, fine. Um, and that was the end of my quest for a publisher, and I haven't looked back since. That being said, um, you know, the other routes of self-publishing um, or um, searching for a bigger press um, all have advantages and disadvantages. So I wouldn't discourage anybody from um, any of the three routes. I think they all have pros and cons. A little more information about my series for those of you who haven't read it. Um, I've continued since that first book, uh, Dead of Autumn, to write additional books. Um, they're all based in south-central Pennsylvania. Uh, each one of them is a contemporary story. The, the, the heroine, Alexa Williams, is a, a young lawyer who uh, just keeps getting in trouble all the time. Uh, she... Uh, lives in, the, in a cabin in the woods with her English Mastiff Scout. Uh, and uh, they seem to get in trouble, uh, but in the end usually prevail. That's without getting, giving away the specifics. Um, each of the books also has a parallel historical narrative that uh, ties into the theme of the contemporary story. Um, they deal with topical issues, they have a little romance, and hopefully they keep you on the edge of, seat, of your seat with suspense. The first book, uh, Babe, The um, Dead of Autumn, uh, deals with um, religious extremism, uh, reproductive rights, and uh, the historical narrative is about... Um, a series of child murders that was actually happened here in South Central Pennsylvania back during the Depression. It's known as the Babes in the Woods case. The second book, Dead of Summer, deals with sex trafficking, and the historical parallel uh, story is about Woodstock. I do hesitate to say that that's historical since I went to Woodstock. Uh, I hate to talk about myself as history, but at this point I think it's long enough ago that it actually is history. Um, the third novel, uh, Dead of Spring, which is the, the last one that's been published, is about fracking 
and government corruption. Obviously, a very current issue. Uh, and the historical narrative is about Three Mile Island and the near-nuclear disaster that happened there in 1979. And the new one that's coming out in February, Dead of Winter, um, is about prejudice, about terrorism, what, what's terrorism, uh, and the historical parallel is uh, John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry. So you wonder how all of those tie together, but let me guarantee you that they do. Um, real quickly, uh, we have uh, a few minutes left, and I wanted to talk um, a little bit about my literary influences. Um, I guess I've been reading so many books since I was so young that it's hard to pin down. Um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, Trixie Belden and the Bodsey Twins, um, big influence, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys as I got a little bit older. In fact, some people have said that my books are sort of like Nancy Drew for grown-ups. Um, in college and in high school, I read a lot of classics. I, I was an English major, so, you know, you get all of the classics for sure uh, when you major in that field. Um, and, uh, you know, some of my favorites back then I did what are, what are called independent studies in college on Tom, Thomas Hardy, D.H. Lawrence, and Ernest Hemingway, which is a very diverse group of writers. Um, and Hemingway actually is one of my idols. Um, I know he's a little, some, some consider him a little passe because of his strong um, attitudes, you know, macho guy, his uh, hunting themes, his manly man themes. But what I love most about Hemingway is his language. He, he I think, is just a wonderful head and shoulders above almost anybody in terms of the way the way that he writes, the way that he uses words. And that's something that I need because we'll remember that my background in bureaucratic and tech, technical writing makes me tend to be a little bit too wordy. But in uh, recent years, and maybe not even recent, but you know, as I was uh, starting to work and um, maybe had a little bit less time for for writing, you know, I sort of strayed away from the classics, uh, strayed more away from literary novels, um, and read for purely for pre pleasure. And you know, I loved Helen McGinnis and uh, Alistair McLean, uh, Mary Stewart, who wrote, like, The Moon Spinners. That's one of my favorite novels. Um, I, oh, what's the, Daphne de Maurier. Um, lots and lots of wonderful writers of more gothic things, of spies. Um, and one of my favorites um, was John D. MacDonald. Um, he wrote the Travis McGee series, and I'm probably not the only suspense writer that will tell you that he was a big influence, but he was. He wrote stories like uh, The Lonely Silver Rain, A Purple, 
purple place for dying, and his hero, Travis McGee, was um, a real environmentalist before there was such a word even um, designed. These days, um, some of my favorites are Greg Isles, uh, Lisa Scotellini, uh, Lee Childs uh, with his Reacher series, Steve Barry, Gail Linz, um, she writes spy novels, um, the Pendergrass novels that are written by Lincoln and Child. And I'm sure I'm missing many, but um, I think that suspense novels um, have a lot to offer. Um, they're very entertaining. Um, many of them are quick reads, but I think they incorporate a lot of universal themes. Uh, they deal with topical issues in ways that uh, are sort of spoon-fed to you through the plot, um, but but really make a difference in terms of the, the themes that they tackle and are good writing. Uh, so I belong to an organization now called International Thriller Writers, uh, and I've learned uh, a lot and been exposed to a lot of new suspense writers through and thriller writers through that organization, and I really appreciate it. So uh, I was worried about whether or not I would be able to to talk for uh, a half an hour with Jody without Jody, um, and it turns out I have done just fine. Um, that's all the time that we have for today's episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed my ramblings uh, uh, about writing, about my writer's journey. And I guess I'd send out this invitation to, to listeners. Um, we'd like to learn about your writer's journey, uh, or if you'd like to, an author who'd like to be interviewed on the Milford House Mysteries, um, get in touch with um, Jody or me. Um, we re- my uh, website, which is www.sherrynolton.com, um, has a contact form, and just reach out to us through that venue if you'd like. A special thanks to all of you for listening to the Milford House Mysteries, both this program and others. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, two weeks from now. Uh, Jody will be back, and we'll be discussing villains. So that should be a, a pretty good uh, topic for a post-Halloween show. A reminder to all you readers, um, our books are available at Sunbury Press's online bookstore, Amazon, uh, and any other on online retailers and bookstores. You can also follow us on social media. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.